Hey everybody, welcome to Eclipse, a Heroes podcast. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. This week we are going to discuss episode 102 of Heroes Don't Look Back. So we're in episode 2, and Keisha, what were your overall thoughts on the episode after rewatching it? So after rewatching the episode, I noticed that this episode in particular has a lot of big stuff going on. They throw in a lot of things that, if you're doing a rewatch, you know are hugely important. Just in terms of where some of the storylines start going, what character names get mentioned for the first time, what symbols start popping up, specifically the symbol, which we will talk a lot about. Basically, yeah, it's a continuation of the pilot in many ways. They're really trying to pump up the intrigue and the mystery in a lot of storylines, giving us some answers in regards to what some people can do. And also really starting to throw in a bunch of things that I guess you could call Easter eggs that may or may not have a bigger purpose later. Yeah, we definitely get a lot more foreshadowing, especially with Peter looking back Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) And a a rather funny one with Mohinder (laughs) that I didn't even pick up on until just now, which may or may not have been foreshadowing. Maybe that's why... What happens to Mohinder happens. Oh my god, I can tell you right away it wasn't foreshadowing. <laughs> they, they didn't, they had no idea they were going to do what they do later on with that character. Uh, but it's real funny now <laughs> to see, to see and to think about. I feel like it's a throwback. What they ended up doing yeah. to Mohinder is a throwback to this. Uh, this is so funny because <laughs> this this vague thing we're talking about, we're not, we're not even going to get to for like a long time. It happens in season three. <laughs> like... Yes, it happens in season three. Oh, gosh. Remember that thing I said in episode one, that he has quite a journey ahead of him, (laughs) and he gets to (laughs) see all sides of the story? Uh, That's what we're talking about. Claire, she's in the episode quite a bit, but her storyline sort of just introduces some new characters that really flesh out the high school part of it. And also, we get confirmation about the thing we talked about in the first episode, which was that my cut had and that Rachel's didn't was that she's adopted and she would like to know who her birth parents are. And so she goes to her adopted father, Mr. Bennett, and tells him that. He reacts in a, in a, in a nicely measured way, you know. Um, I, I've always really liked their relationship, just how, how they handled it. His being a parent to her, his being a protector of hers, but also really keeping that, like, shadiness involved because we know this guy is potentially up to no good. And that comes through in a, in a big, big way when at the end of her storyline in this episode, we find out that Zach lost the tape of her doing all of her many different dangerous stunts. And it's in the hands of, of Mr. Bennett of HRG, Horn Room Glasses Man, who we know is some sort of something involved in trying to, I don't know, he might be a dangerous presence we're not sure but he's also her dad but he's not her dad but he is her dad you know so we're left unsure about how he'll handle this if she's in danger or not from this person who she trusts and loves and that's a fun little you know mystery to keep you wondering until next week and we also get uh like i said with the flushing out of her high school storyline we get the introduction of jackie wilcox because you know she's a cheerleader claire is so you got to have like the bitch cheerleader on the squad it's just a thing you have to have and they give it to us in the form of jackie who is clearly jealous of claire not only from the attention she's getting from some cute football player 
But also later on, when the police show up to Union Wells High School looking for the girl in the cheerleader uniform who saved the man from the flaming train wreckage in episode one. Jackie takes that moment and pops up because Claire's certainly not going to. She's not going to expose herself like that. Jackie decides, hey, I want that notoriety. It'll be me. I will be the hero. This is going to have huge consequences for her later. Funnily enough... I didn't think Jackie was too bitchy in this episode. I mean, they really try to, like, paint her as that character. And it definitely, like, later on, she'll really fall into that. Like, you can tell, I think she's more, like, an annoying presence to Claire. Because she doesn't seem like a threat to Claire right now, for sure. True. What's she gonna do? Claire can heal. You know? (laughs) Like, what what is she gonna do? And also, it seems like even though Claire's trying to live these two lives, like, she's trying to care about cheerleading and trying to be a normal teenager it's it's clear that she's being pulled by this other thing in her life now this different thing about her which is going to make all of that seem real insignificant real fast but i guess maybe we just don't get enough of her in this episode claire's a little more bitchy than she is from what we've seen honestly she really is i mean uh the way she treats zach in particular but everybody treats zach like a piece of shit so um pretty much what happens there with claire yeah we just get more of the high school stuff and more of her stuff with mr bennett you know we get to wonder about if she's gonna get to meet her real parents uh soon and who they are and as she says so wonderfully to mr bennett what they can do and he goes what they can do and it's such a great little like foreshadowing moment (laughs) especially later on when he busts her when he when he finds the tape she knows and now you know and the Family is going to be upturned by this no matter what either of them try to do to keep that from happening. That's pretty much Claire's part of the episode. Uh, Rachel, what were your thoughts on what we see in regards to the Nikki storyline, Nikki and Micah? So we cut right back in to where we left Nikki, where she wakes up. There's two dead bodies here now. What do I do? And then almost immediately... She is somewhere else in a new outfit. Not quite sure how she got there. So clearly whatever's happened, it's happened again. And her other personality, I guess we might as well just say her other personality has taken over. It's pretty clear it's her doing this since she is moving on. She's completely left the scene now. It's so freaking, I mean, you know, we can sit here and try to be like, we don't know what's happening. But the way that they present it is very like textbook media portrayal of um, someone with another personality. Yes. So her other personality has taken care of everything. (laughs) She has taken care of business. She has gotten a car. She has already got the bodies cut up and put into a trunk. We definitely know time has passed because Mike is like, I called you four hours ago. Where the heck have you been? She confesses to her friend as well that like, I don't know what is happening. I'm losing time. I'm losing, you know, I'm going crazy. Well, she says that they ended up dead and she's like, maybe it's DL. And that's the first time we hear um, Micah's father's name, DL. And Nikki says like, it can't be him. He's on the run right now. He wouldn't come back for that. Hello, listeners. This is Rachel from the future. We spend the next 20 minutes getting very spoilery talking about Nikki and her journey throughout the series. If you are adverse to spoilers, skip ahead. I'm trying to collect what I want to say. is Because I'll um, definitely have more to say yeah. about Mohinder and Hero. I've got to figure out what I want to say about Nikki. See, this is the hard thing is we have to sit here and we have to be like, we have to give everyone a fair shake, even though we know mm-hmm. that there's more interesting stuff going on elsewhere. Yes. Her story doesn't matter. She basically just brings Micah to the fold who helps the resistance several years down the line. How about that? <laughs> like, she fucking... 
Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she does help out, I guess, in the end, you know, with the... No, like, she she does the thing with, like, the parking meter, and she gives Siler a whooping, but um, true, true, she true, doesn't true. in that moment. Yeah, just, I, I, I don't want to get into it yet. We can. We will later. Mm-hmm. We will later. We will be like, okay, so here is how these main characters ended up mattering or not mattering to the ultimate story. Because we have to. It's such a big cast. They really, they tried to do a thing, you know? Um... And some people are going to get short shift, and that just happens when you have a huge cast of people uh, and you're trying to tell their stories. And some stories are going to be more interesting than others. And they're going to matter more to the larger story than others. And it's just, like, it sucks for her. Uh, at least Nikki. Um, her other incarnations have more stuff, I think. Yeah, it's just sorry that all the interesting stuff is happening elsewhere. And, and that's another issue with the writer's strike as well, which we'll get into when we mm-hmm. Oh, I have to do there. so much research about that. Like, I need to really... Yeah. And then there's the really real part of me that wants to just include everything I just said about Nikki and be like, all right, you know what? She's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> and, see, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot, too, where I'm like, how rewatchy do we want to be? How how gentle to first timers we want to be? We've warned about spoilers. So we're going to be, you know, talking about we have to be honest. I never wanted to look at my phone more than when she was on screen. And that's not Allie Larder's fault. That's not anyone's fault. The story is just not that interesting because we know what's going to happen. And it's a rewatch podcast that we are very, very open about saying rewatch. And people can watch it for the first time with us. That's cool. But we've warned them those spoilers. So they should, you know, be aware of that. I don't know. What do you think? No, I agree. This is something I I've agree. been struggling with. And we don't have to go like full on like fuck Nikki because that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just saying that we can be honest in that we know that this stuff is just really trying to stretch out her mystery and, you know, give us a reason to, you know, I don't want to say care, but there's just so many more important things going on that we don't even need to spend that much time talking about her. We can be like, this happened, this happened, cool, let's talk about someone else. Because frankly, that's just how it goes with her storyline most of the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. You know, it's fair enough to talk about Nikki in that way because, like, (laughs) she does get the shaft. Because looking at every other character in this episode, for the overall storyline, Claire is very important, Peter and Nathan are very important. Mohinder is super important, Parkman is important, and Hero is extremely important to the storyline. And that's probably the reason that her character gets taken in a very specific direction in the seasons following. Yeah, because they really try to keep her in the action, which I can appreciate more later. Because, like, I like Tracy. Tracy's cool. <laughs> Tracy's cool. Tracy's fine. Um, she's, she, yeah, she, she gets to do cool stuff. Um, I liked, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about a character we won't even meet for, like, a million years. Um... <laughs> But seriously, I know it's like, that's the thing that sucks is like, it's a rewatch podcast. We've said there's going to be spoilers. I really, you know how many times I've almost said Jessica? So many. Um, I don't know. I I don't know how to handle this fucking character because I don't want to turn off people who might be watching for the first time, who might be curious to listen to this. But at the same time, her character in particular really gets the ball dropped because she never had the ball to begin with. You think she's going to be more important than she ends up being. Which is fair to say. And you could even say that. And I think that would be fine. Because it's a a very civil way of saying it. And in the future, like you said, with Tracy, Mm -hmm. that's more of a, like, they wanted to keep Allie Larder on the show. But they just didn't know where to... And I think they even... There's an interview somewhere where they said, we didn't know what to do with Nikki anymore. Yes. 
um, which which will be fun to really get into their problem with knowing what to do about that. They love certain actors and they and they want to keep them on, but it's like okay, this is a this is a you know this is a story that needs to be told. You need to be willing to make those choices. And when we get there, like I I have my own theories about why Nikki kind of fell apart, and I think a big reason is how dirty they did DL at the beginning of season two. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is like a. Huge point. Did completely yeah. dirty. We're, we're going to end up talking about her more than we aren't, I think. And it's I feel like I'm going like, to leave a lot of us talking sadly... about this in right now. <laughs> because it's interesting to talk about, like, and we're doing it very organically, like, talking about our problems yeah. with Nikki now, even though we aren't going to get there. I don't hate the character. She's just not one that I, I really, uh, okay, I'm not going to say she doesn't matter or whatever, but, like, she's so far removed. Yes. And I don't just mean geographically or the fact that her story takes, you know, she will meet other people and she has met other people, you know, that we've, that we've met and that's fine. And that's, you know, the whole thing of heroes. It's fun to explore those connections, but she doesn't really, I mean, I don't know. You you don't get to see, you know, any of the interesting discussions around her. Like, okay, this is just other characters who get more attention paid and whose stories move the plot along in ways that become more significant and hers will never do that she runs parallel to the plot a lot of the time she does and every once in a while she'll kick up and cross it and then go right back down to where she was and then i mean even in the finale you know where she does end up where everybody else does but it it always it never really seemed organic you know what i mean like you know just like oh we have to have everyone in new york now i could go on i don't want to i don't want to spend a whole fucking hour talking about like i just well like this is the kind of stuff that we need to talk about because it's gonna color the rest of our experience watching especially season one and having to talk about nikki again like let me tell you season one sure problems okay but what they end up doing with her in season two is, like, classic, they do not know what to do with this character. And her story is just going to be a vehicle to introduce other characters, which is, like, fine. But it really makes it hard to keep caring about her problems and her drama and her conflicts. Because the show doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like, uh, like in the grand scheme of things. It's just, she's just not, you could not have her and it wouldn't really affect much. Sorry. She is a character that, and I believe this is a true antidote because I know she's done this before. When my sister watches TV shows, if it is a character she does not like, she will walk away and feel free to do whatever she wants like it's a commercial break. I know she did it on The Vampire Diaries. I know she did it on Once Upon a Time. And I almost 100% sure she mentioned, like, whenever Nikki was on, I would go do something else. I would not be afraid to go turn my back to the TV, do laundry or whatever. I felt that way really strongly anytime I would rewatch the show again or watch an episode again or try to look, you know, try to get something out of it, making like a fan video or something. Uh, there were plenty of people whose stuff I would stop and watch. Uh, hers was never part of it. Once you solve her central mystery, she loses the most interesting thing about her. And it's not that deep of a mystery. It's not hard to solve. It's something to be wondered about if part of that is because, like, I don't know for sure how much of a female presence was in the writer's room. Like, I think Claire has done really well, but is that from the writing or is that because of Hayden? I feel like a large part of it is because of Hayden. She she really, she really does a great job in season one, especially with the scope of Claire's story and like bringing the right emotions to it. I don't remember what (laughs) I was reading recently that was talking about like looking back at shows and like (laughs) 
why is it always the female character that like you know we as women tend to like brush off and be like why don't we like this character because it wasn't written by a woman it was written by a man and it's like not relatable in the Mm. slightest so is that something that is holding us back from fully enjoying nikki as well beyond our we already know what happens and we know in the grand scheme of things she is very like we said before parallel to the storyline not intersecting it i feel like especially doing a rewatch that is the biggest problem is i know this isn't going to go anywhere interesting in terms of the bigger story in terms of what other characters are going to connect and what their you know actions and meetings are going to mean for the plot that is the biggest thing in a rewatch podcast that this is like really affecting for me do you know what i mean i remember see that's the thing is i I remember season one uh watching it the first time i did not dislike nikki at all no because i was intrigued i was intrigued to learn about what this whole like other personality what's what's going on there is that gonna you know have a bigger meaning like i was i was fine but doing a rewatch i am not fine (laughs) because it's really obvious now that uh she just doesn't have the same i don't know she's just not going to be threaded in the same way and so she doesn't have like easter eggs and stuff do you know what i mean no really everyone in that family is done dirty (laughs) in the end by the show the whole entire nikki dl to a degree micah but he actually gets to hang around um and do cool stuff but nikki dl anything that happens around them it just yeah it is done dirty that is true because I think the show realizes that they have too many goddamn stories going on at the same time. Which was the criticism that was leveled against them a lot later on. A lot. Even during season one. I remember reading reviews talking about that. Where they were like, cool, so this has like eight storylines an episode and I care about maybe five of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, let's just go a little bit into like, uh, what would have made Nikki more interesting? I'm not sure how old Nikki is in this episode, right? Oh, she's about Peter's age, we're gonna say. I feel like the general um, sort of unspoken thing is that all the younger members of the cast are supposed to be in the same age range, mm-hmm. like, except for Claire. Because Peter, we get confirmation later on that he's supposed to be, like, 27, 28 when this starts. Uh, maybe even 26. Yeah, Mohinder. Mohinder, I think, is supposed to be, like, right under 30. And, like, yeah, it, it's supposed to be that little age range. Except for, like, Parkman, I think, is supposed to be a little older. Because, um, you know, he's established. He's He has a, you know... A, family and a career and all that stuff happening or potentially and then like hero is in his 20s yeah it's a a show with younger people and nikki i yeah i I don't know how old she's supposed to be i feel like she's supposed to be reading between like mid to later 20s because the thought that came to mind wasn't something that ever came to my to my mind before this what if they had nikki be claire's mother see okay that would have been great that's exactly what i'm talking about is where I'm saying she doesn't have any links to these characters. And yeah, I know there's going to be like a thing or two that happens later. But she doesn't have any like intrinsic, organic connection to anyone on the show. Any of the characters. Doing something like that, that would have been great. I believe that was a theory that was kicked around a little bit. It uh, might have been at the time, became a yeah. mystery. But yeah, that would have been great. That would have been great. And they're like, oh, okay. So she has not just like, I don't want to say agency. She has like a, a reason to just really be like part of the action because she has stakes. There are stakes now. This is her mom. This is a character who we know about mom. And then what's the deal with why did she give her up? Did she have to? Like that would have posed so many interesting questions and given her such a cool extra little bit to her story that she doesn't have. Anytime that she goes up and meets, okay, so spoiler territory, I'm just gonna fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. 
spoiler territory, she ends up um, hooking up with Nathan later. That's not enough of a connection to get me to give a shit. That is not enough to keep you wondering. Do you know what I mean? Because she's kind of in his life and then out of his life almost as quickly. Yeah. Because other stuff moves faster elsewhere. And she remains isolated in her, like, storyline with DL and Vegas. And like I said, she is a great vehicle to bring in other characters and other things. But her story, all by itself, it has none of the intrigue that the other characters do. Because, and, and it's not her fault. Because, I mean, Claire, Claire has the, the amazing thing of living in the same house as someone who's hunting down people like her. That's cool. The Petrellis, oh boy. Uh, where do you even begin untangling that? Which is real fun hearing Angela talk about Arthur just all the time now, knowing what we know about how he is and who he is. And I was just like, oh, you poor woman. Um, like you, just, <laughs> you tried to kill him so many times. Um, so, um, oh, bless so like that, you know, Hero is very also separate from the plot in terms of geography, in terms of all the same sort of things Nikki is on paper. However, because of his ability, he's immediately involved because he immediately steps into the main huge plot line of season one right away. And again, not Nikki's fault. She can't travel through time. That sucks. But so much of what makes Hero important is his power. His power allows him to immediately, intrinsically be part of this storyline that involves things like time travel, things like mysteries in the future, things like seeing the future, like Isaac, who also is a really, you know, thinly written cliche character, if we're being honest. But he is a plot-moving character. Nikki is not a plot-moving character. Yeah, Isaac is a plot device. Hero suffers from the separation later, but it's never to the same degree. Yes. And so I'm uh, moving around now, too, because now I'm with, like... Ugh, now we're getting like into like the discussion. <laughs> me, too. me too, me too. I'm like, I hope you can't hear my chair because I'm wiggling. I know, now. I've got to, like, I'm, all, sit like still. I'm I'm awake now. Hold for um, chair, hold for chair. We're like, in, <laughs> um, it's it's so true though. It, it's um, hero. His power makes him an incredibly important part of season one. Just right away, just right off the bat, because of the fact that he can boop, he can immediately end up with different characters. He can make these connections. He is getting you know stepping into these major major things that are uh, big parts of the plot later on um later in the show they're not gonna know what to do with them as much anymore because they're going to have less of a central let's get everyone together plot that works as well as season one's uh so his power will no longer be the you know thing that makes it important but by then he's already met everyone and he's already had uh experiences with people so it's okay but in the beginning that is a big reason of why hero you know even though he is as separate as nikki in a lot of ways is still so damn important to things. And she just doesn't have that. You know, what does she have? She has a couple a couple dead a couple dead thugs in her car. In a car that she doesn't know where it came from. And she talked about Linderman once. You know, once or twice. And, and we know that Linderman's going to be a, a, an important figure to her story. And certainly Nathan mentioned him before. But right now, we're just like, oh, it's just some guy who has money and, you know, he can fund politicians and screw over ex-strippers. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> We have no concept of what Linderman's going to mean later on, because that that comes later. Oh, man. I'm just sitting here thinking about how much more important she would have been if she was Claire's mother. And, like, the impact, even if they killed her off in the same way yes. that they ended up doing, and having Tracy mm-hmm. come around, that, like, oh my gosh, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's the doppelganger and, like, the levels of weird that it would not only be with Nathan, but with Claire... With Tracy, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like Tracy is where not only, like you said, the, the people behind the show wanted to keep Allie around because, you know, she's great. 
There's nothing wrong with Ellie Larder. She's great. I feel like Tracy was them learning from Nikki and Jessica. Fuck it. We're already talking about spoilers. Nikki and Jessica. That was their way of learning. And I feel like Tracy gets a lot of the benefit of them learning from their mistakes with how they handled the Nikki and Jessica story and the character in terms of like, gotta keep them in action right from the front. Gotta make her mad right away or she never will. Even if you push her in later, it's just we're, we're not going to care as much because everyone else has been involved longer. Because I swear as well, like, I remember a theory in season two, maybe, or season three, where they were like, people were just so desperate to, like, hook Nikki up for everything with that. They thought that she could have been a descendant of Adams. Yeah, I remember that. I'm trying to remember if there was something like even in the comic where it was I like a name. Like it might have been the comic. Yeah, that they were like maybe this confirmed, but it was never confirmed. But people were speculating. I mean, maybe that's something that was lost in the, the second half of season two that we never got, where we find out Nikki is a lot more connected than we realize. And that could have well been. That could have well been because the, <laughs> the decisions they make with what they do with her instead in season two, oh, it's it's a choice. Look at us. Who'd have thought? Mm. Not me. <laughs> We'd be sitting here for 30 minutes talking about Nikki, of all characters. Well, I feel like the nice thing is that now that we've done this, we don't have to keep doing it. You know, like, we can talk about something she does in the show, you know, like, oh, this happens in her story. And then Peter, you know, like, you have to mention if anything important happens. And guess what? There's going to be times where she shows up in an episode and she might do things and we don't need to talk about it because it's not important. Yeah, there's you really know? nothing in this episode that is important later that she does at all. No, we just get more like, you know, shushing reflections. It's more of the same. Well, it's it's more yeah. active because in that first episode she was fighting yeah. second personality. And in this one, it's just full on. Nope, I have to protect you, Nikki. <laughs> I'm going to do the dirty work for you, but not all the dirty work. Yeah, Jessica's such a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, with your fucking son sleeping in the car. Like, uh, that was us talking for literally an episode's worth, probably. <laughs> Sanders. Yeah, like, oh, I could go on. I really could. Like, Nikki, or Jessica, I guess, technically, hits Tyler with a parking meter. They never have another interaction, right? I don't think they do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying like, to remember just... her fucking storyline now, and it's like, I remember I know, season two I know. was like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Because with season two, they did the thing where, like, they tried to do in season one in the pilot that got cut with the terrorist storyline, where they wanted it to be on top. So we had all that reference to Katrina in season two, you know, all that other stuff. Yes. Which, again, like, I feel like that whole fucking chunk of family got, like, shafted. No, they did. They did, because this wasn't the show for that. Sadly, no. Kring wanted it to be, but I... I could do an entire episode about how he doesn't understand his own creation so <laughs> of what it actually becomes you know and, and what actually works about it and what's actually fun about I'm it i'm gonna compare it right now to the vampire diaries because i feel like they both had a similar start and then things like started getting crazier and crazier crazy revelations are like oh we're gonna keep this is cool this is cool this is cool and the difference was at the beginning of season two for heroes they wanted to try to pull everything back to one and the Vampire Diaries was like, fuck it, go wild, keep going. Until, of course, you know, you get a couple seasons in and, like, you know, inevitably things don't <laughs> go a certain mm. way. But, like, those first couple seasons of, like, the Vampire Diaries were just like, oh my god. Yeah, they really leaned into it. After that finale in season one, you have to either, you just have to keep going forward. Because if you pull it back, that's, like, a dangerous move to make. And guess what? It was. <laughs> <laughs> it pissed off a lot of people. <clears throat> I can't wait for, I cannot wait for us to talk about season two. And like, they did obviously better, like, season three and four together. We didn't mm -hmm. suffer that problem. But, like, yeah, season two, 
Because it goes back to Kring doesn't understand his own creation, but sure, yeah. We sound <laughs> harsher than we are, and it's like, we love this I know. show, but like, you know. I love I love this show, but I can't sit here and act like people don't have some valid concerns, because they do. Because, yeah, it's, this isn't We're not blind to its faults. Where... We, we, you know, we no. care about it, so we're passionate about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to just sit here and, like, pour sugar over everything, because it just, it doesn't, it doesn't warrant it. No. No, no, no. And, you know, part of this is, is you know... Part of this is it's definitely trying to be like, hey, season one wasn't perfect. So if we can remove season one from this weird pedestal everybody put it on, then I feel like we can take a more critical and more fair look at the decisions that were made in later seasons. And maybe we can also see that they have good and bad too, just like season one. Because I, I can't stand that. I cannot stand people just being like, season one is perfect. And, uh, you know, season one did everything right. No, it didn't. No, it did not. And from the start, it did not. And we need to acknowledge that because we need to be prepared for the decisions that they'll make in regards to future uh, seasons and characters and how they handle dropping the ball with some people and giving all the story to some other people. You need to get used to it. That's what the show's going to do. Because they drop the ball for even Parkman, you know. Even Peter. And Peter. Like, Yeah. yeah. Which, okay, better time than any to segue into Peter, I guess. Uh, I really liked how in this episode we got to see the other side of Peter's personality because he is the hopeful, optimistic dreamer and he is also, oh, he is a kicked puppy when you let him be. He is brooding. He can get down. He can go to a dark place. And I think it's important to show that Peter is both those things at the same time because they both matter a lot later on. So, in episode one, he jumps off of the roof. Nathan is there. Nathan saves him. Nathan flies. Nathan said that Peter tried to kill himself. That's the first thing that happens when Peter wakes up in the hospital after they fell. He immediately jumps on the fact that Peter says he can't remember anything, which Pazdar's little look, did you see it? His little like, oh, good. He doesn't remember. I can work with this. He's a shark. He's a shark. Um, and we love him. Um, so, so he does. He has this little moment where he's like, "Oh, great! He can't remember. I'm going to use this because that's it's Nathan." So he says, "No, you jumped 15 feet down to a fire escape, and I had to run up and grab you." Immediately gaslighting him. Immediately dashing his hopes and dreams, and trying to keep him firmly rooted in this reality that he can control. Peter. Then goes through a little bit of a struggle, not only with how Nathan deals with that, but how his mother, because Angela will come in later and she'll spoon feed him this version of events regarding their father and that, oh, he was depressed and he had, you know, delusions of grandeur as well, hon, and you're starting to sound like him. This sort of thing's genetic. You need to be careful. Everybody is trying to keep Peter down on the earth. And it's interesting to note how, because of the bright side of his personality, because of the hopefulness, the optimism, the helpfulness of him as a person, the caring, that he is able to pull himself back from trying to maybe go into a darker place by the end of the episode. His journey could have ended up a villain's journey just as much as anyone's. Peter is multifaceted, and he's ultimately still filled with love and hope and trust believe it or not and he ends up finding out at the end because he gets nathan to admit it and he sees it himself that yes they both flew for a moment and then they fell but he did it and so he was right 
and so he's validated and he has this really great moment where he's hugging Nathan and he's so excited and he's so happy he's pretty much got tears in his eyes and Nathan looks like you just shot a puppy in front of him Nathan looks like this is the worst thing that could ever happen because now that Peter's had his crazy dreamer you know ideations confirmed there's gonna be no stopping this kid now and everything's gonna fall apart maybe and it's gonna be really interesting to see where they go moving forward but yeah what did you think about uh peter seeing that you know kind of both sides of him in this episode he has the highest of highs and the lowest of lows throughout his journey in this uh series and you see a lot of um foreshadowing for even this season from between the pilot and this that i at the time, I didn't pick up on until after. Mm-hmm. One being the drawing, where he drew himself floating in front of Nathan. At first, you think it's just a shitty, like, stick-figure daydream. Uh, you know, maybe even, like, him thinking about maybe what he could remember from doing it off of the roof. He even drew the helix on it. Wasn't that in the corner of the paper as well? He is the first person, I believe, who shows us the symbol. They call it the symbol. Yeah, it's it's a helix. It's... It's part of a, a DNA strand. It's going to show up a lot. This is the one of the bigger Easter eggs Heroes has to offer that they are going to put on everything. So, so keep your eyes peeled for that because it shows up a lot. But this is the first time. Yeah, it's absolutely everywhere because it's all about, you know, it's about genetics. Yes, it's about family. And I think that it's very telling that he puts that symbol on a picture of him and his brother. He doesn't know what it means. He was drawn to do it. And I like how, how Peter also, he isn't just, he doesn't seem like he immediately buys the suicide story either. You know? He's like, mm, you said it was a heart attack. He has this like little doubt. But then Angela really plays it so well when she's like, you're my favorite. Eyes full of tears. He's playing on his heart because it's his weakness. It's his strength and his weakness. It just, it makes you have, it makes you wonder a lot of stuff. It makes you wonder about, okay, well, they both have powers. What about their parents? And I'll just leave that hanging. But they always have been, like, even since this episode, calling into question genetics because Claire's like, I want to know what they do if they can do something like me. Is this genetic? And all of Mohinder's stuff yeah. as well. Like, you know, it's genetic. That's That seems to be the big thing that Chandra was working on. What about Mohinder, Rachel? The big thing about Mohinder this episode is we meet Eden, mm-hmm. who is Chandra's neighbor and allegedly his friend. Mm-hmm. And she saves Mohinder's ass there at the beginning because he comes home to a man planting a bug in his apartment. Even though you could call into question, is he planting it or removing it? She saves him from that guy who ends up leaving. And we get introduced to Mohinder the Lizard. (laughs) Who I completely had forgotten about existing. I completely forgot about it as well, which, (laughs) as I said earlier, is a weird (laughs) foreshadowing, or I guess could be a callback. We also have now seen a very, very interesting weapon. The gun? I feel like the gun is worth mentioning because it doesn't, it's a distinct gun. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it, yes, it is very distinct. I wouldn't mention it otherwise. It's, it's just worth noting. It's worth knowing, huh, that's, that's a weird gun. It almost feels like it's a bulky gun, especially when Eve was holding it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, a little bookshop girl sure knew how to handle that, didn't she? Yeah. Something to ponder about, maybe. We also see a little bit of a blossoming something between Eden and Mohinder in this episode. It it seems like Mohinder is eating out of the palm of her hand everything. She's saying everything he wants to hear. She's certainly saying all the right things. Oh, I I was going to bring him this this, uh, first edition of Darwin. Like, yeah, she she knows what she's doing. I am suspicious of her. (laughs) But you know, at the time, 
<laughs> I don't know if I was suspicious of her at the time. No, I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I was just like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and that's that's because people like you and me would end up with company agents in our lives like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I agree. When I first watched it, I was just like, oh, she's cute. And like, that's nice. He, he made a friend, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's a big reveal yeah. later. But mm-hmm. not much later, if I recall. Yeah. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Watching yeah. it now feels like bad acting, but it's not. Like, no. something feels off about her now watching it. It really does. It really does. Especially, like, yeah, how, how quick she was to, like, pick up the gun and handle it. Like, I mean, I've never done that. And I, I don't know that I'd be, like, that comfortable with it. She looks pretty comfortable with it. And, yeah, she knows she says the right things. She doesn't say too much. Doesn't seem too weird or off-putting. And... Uh, even just the way she's dressed is very like, oh yeah, you know, she's just like the, the cute, like, you know, girl next door, I guess, quite literally. The other big thing that happens with Mohinder is we are introduced to Siler. Conveniently, Eden points out that his uh, Chandra had messages left on his answering machine and he listens through and one of them is a nice little robocall from Nathan Petrelli. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And then he gets a call that Chandra actually answers. And we get to hear that conversation between Siler and Chandra. Like, don't call me again. You are the reason I am what I am. You've awakened a hunger in me. Oh my god, I laughed so hard when he said hunger. Oh my god. I was like, the hunger! (laughs) (laughs) Just because of all the bullshit later. Oh my god. Um, sorry. (laughs) I did. I was like, ah! Um... Again, it's so good I'm alone. Um, so he might have found the man who killed his father. It doesn't look like it was a heart attack. It was murder. Because somebody's pissed with Chandra. And, 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 and not in the way of this shadow organization that's going around trying to look at his research and bug apartments and follow him and all these things. Uh, no, there is someone out there who he crossed, potentially. He's another potential suspect. He is. Yes, there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, there's, there's many potential antagonists. Many potential bad guys. This brings us to a character who we did not meet in the pilot, who has been introduced in the second episode, but who is a main character in season one and going forward. That is the police officer in Los Angeles, Matt Parkman, who is a telepath. He can read minds and hear thoughts. So it, it's funny because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, what would make a cop's job easier? Oh, reading minds. But would it? You're going to see that that's not, you know, the case. Speaking of cases, Parkman is on a weird one. He is basically just keeping back, you know, looky lose and press as the feds are being called in for a really, really messed up murder scene. A family is brutally murdered. Brutally. This show is not afraid to be gory. And we've seen bits of that with Claire's injuries and, you know, the state in which the bodies of the thugs that tried to harm uh, Nikki are found in. This is the real moment where that kicks into overdrive is we see the works of Siler, who we we've only heard about for the first time this episode. The first person who actually even says his name is Audrey Hansen, who is the FBI agent played by Claire Duvall who comes onto the scene and she's clearly been trying to make this Siler person a thing. And even the people on her own, you know, in her own agency are like, dude, that's not, that's crazy. This no, no person could 
do this like this. Like you're you're being you're you're going off the reservation here a bit. But Parkman hears her say it in her mind, and so he accidentally says it out loud to her, and she starts getting real suspicious real fast about Parkman. But I feel like it's it's not like I don't know. I always felt like that little bit where Audrey's like you're you're out, you're under arrest. You know you're you're being suspicious. You. You could have done all this horrible, horrible crime just to make yourself look like a hero to show up and have the magic answers and all this. I don't know. I always felt like that was just kind of a way to move them, you know, move the plot forward, get them in a room together, get them talking more. Because no normal person can do what he did, what he left behind. Uh, and as we saw, you know, first off, Matt just reads minds. You know, he, he's not like the action boy yet. He's just a mind reader. But yeah, going back to, I'm kind of getting away with myself, going back to the state of the house. The mom is pinned to the wall with various sharp implements high up. And they even say like, it would take like three guys to just even lift her and hold her while someone else like stabbed her in. The father is frozen solid with the top of his head removed, right in the midst of eating cereal. It, it just raises so many weird questions. It's like, who could do both of these things? What power do they have? What would they have done if they saw who was hiding under the stairs? And that was the daughter, Molly, who was the sole survivor of this attack. And Parkman finds her and he uses his power. It's a really sweet little moment because he gets to, you know calm her down and have like a, a nice little moment where he can use his power in a way to make him be a better cop to do his job better but it also yeah it also immediately tangles him up into a, a web of suspicion about all this in audrey's mind which we're going to see more of later but this is all this long way of saying hi this is matt parkman and styler's a real fucking problem and you're gonna see a lot more of this later on but yeah right now it's just like oh damn there's a serial killer on the loose maybe Wow, I wonder, I wonder how that's going to affect things later. I bet they will. But um, what did you think about Parkman as a character? Like, how did you feel the first time you saw him? And I guess like now. I feel like you can, like, looking back, you see a lot of what was taken from the original, original pilot. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I, that part with him outside really felt like that came from right after that. Because, and we'll talk about it. I think we, sh- we should do an episode on just the unaired pilot. Because there is a lot of difference and a big storyline that was completely nicked. It would have been a really different show. It would have been really similar to other things on the air if they had kept that in, I think. Yeah, it's it, for me, it was like hard to get a read on Parkman. I wasn't familiar with Greg Gronberg at the time. He saved the girl's life. The goriness of the scene is probably what stuck with me. <laughs> like, oh no, this poor guy is getting accused of this crime that I'm 99% sure he didn't do. Yeah, that's the thing. Is it's like, okay, Audrey, you need to calm down. Because <laughs> he clearly did not have... This is not your guy. But, you know, obviously he knows this name that, like she said, only six other people know. So she's got to bring him in. That's just procedure, you know? She has to figure out what he knows. And funnily enough with Parkman is we talked about how in the pilot everyone else seems to have experienced this power before. He, this seems like, this is one of the first times he's ever heard it. Yeah. Because he's like, I thought everyone could hear this. Yeah, he's... He's not smooth with how he handles it. No, this isn't something he's been dealing with. It seems like this is one of the first times he's ever heard it. Mm -hmm. So he'll just respond to it like somebody says something out loud, but they say it in their head. And it's real funny because it's like, oh, it's going to get you into mischief, Mr. Parkman. Uh, And it does. So I guess that's the biggest thing I could take away is that he seems to have freshly gotten this power. He's not trying to, he's not like fighting it or upset about it. He's just like, I just thought everyone could hear this. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, like I said, uh, Grumberg was the reason I was curious uh, because I saw him in the photos and I was like, oh, I like that guy on Alias. And, and, and I'm, I'm actually being a little light when I say that. I really liked him on Alias. He was one of my favorite parts of Alias when I watched it. Weiss was great. Yeah, seeing him on here, I was just like, oh, okay, just a little smidge, but I'm interested to see more. And I was mostly just... <laughs> You're going to laugh at me or roll your eyes or whatever. I don't care. I was just stoked to see Clea Duvall show up on Heroes. I was so excited. I've been a fan of hers for a long time. And I was like, I know her. And she, even though she's not a part of the main cast, becomes um, a really important part of season one. She actually is a big part of a lot of important things to do with the hunt for Siler. She has a fair bit in the comic as well that runs alongside of it. But yeah, so, so right now we just have... A cop who can read thoughts, hear, you know, hear thoughts, read minds. And we have a really, really, really messed up uh, crime scene. And really far from New York. And you have to wonder why, what what would get the same person to, to maybe kill a man in New York and then maybe kill someone in Los Angeles. And if they're saying there's a case about this, this is not the first time these weird crime scenes have shown up. She says how many it was, I just don't remember. Um, you know, yeah, she does, because I, I, I counted one to see how many it had been. And those crime scenes in California are not the only ones we see, because mm-hmm. let's take a step over to Hero. Let's, let's journey there. Who, fresh in New York, he goes and uh, sees himself on the comic, which we talked about a little bit last time. He sees his Yata moment, he's reading it. Um, I was laughing because he paid for his comic, he gave him like a $10 for that comic. He gave him a thousand yen. Yeah, he more than paid for that comic. Comics are like three bucks. <laughs> yeah, he paid enough for the comic <laughs> before he yeah. ran off. It, it led him to Isaac right in the back. You know, conveniently, Isaac has his address right there in the back of this comic book. Isaac is such a fucking, like, such a plot mechanician of a character. <laughs> like, he just, that's all he is. And we do, we do see him a little bit in this episode just to kind of be like, guess what? He lived. He didn't overdose. Peter saved him. Yeah, he's freaking out, though. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, you know, everything's happening. We gotta stop it. We gotta stop it. We have to stop this bomb. But then we go to Hero, who makes his way up to the apartment, or the loft, as they like to refer to it. It is the loft, yeah. He gets in there, and he sees all these paintings that we've never seen before that are helixes, and he sees a pool of blood and follows it. He not only sees a pool of blood, he sees the distinctive gun. He sees the gun. How did that get there? Are there others? Weird. He sees the gun. He falls the blood. And there is Isaac dead with his head cut open, just like we saw in Los Angeles. And Hero doesn't get a whole lot of time to think about this because the door is kicked in by police officers. And that's where they ask Hero, what do you do with the brain? What do you do with it? Do you throw it away? <laughs> do you eat it? <laughs> We keep mentioning this because it was a it was a thing. People were like obsessed with the fact of what happens to the brain. Yeah, so much so that the show even has to like reference it later on to get people to stop. Yeah, there's there's a lot of theories that used to be like what happened to it. So the cops come in and they're like, "What the hell? You know, this is this horrible crime scene. This confused guy doesn't speak a lot of English, so he has them call his friend Ando." Yeah, uh, Ando is like. He's been missing for five weeks. He didn't just, you know, show up over there. He's been gone for five weeks. We also see that Ando can speak English really well. Mm-hmm. Much better than Hero can initially. That's going to be, like, an important part of it as it goes through. Because he'll be able to be a good little buddy to Hero in this. 
Hero's got the power. Ando can actually talk to people and communicate a little more effectively. But Hero, <laughs> Hero has his fun little moments, though, where, where he, he tries. Like, his little Star Trek thing's always real cute. It's still cute. Yes. He, to yeah. be fair to Hero, he does speak a fair a fair amount of English. They yes. also yeah. use the subtitles selectively in this episode to keep us as yes. in the dark as... Uh, I'd forgotten that. I was like, did I have something turn off? <laughs> I'd forgotten that they did that. Yeah, yeah, they were very selective with what they let us know. And we find out that Hero had left on October 2nd. And they're like, no, no, no. It is November 8th. We see the front of a newspaper with Nathan on it that he had won. In a landslide. And then we see an explosion and Hero is able to go right back to the subway. We have a date now. We have a date. We have a thing to move toward. We have five weeks for this to come together and to stop this bad thing. If we can. If we can. Five weeks until New York explodes. And until Isaac is dead. Gotta save save the painter, save the world, sort of. Maybe? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Kira has such a great little, like, button, you know, his, his little part of the episode. It's just so, all right, guys, here's your timeline. Here's what's going to happen. Go, figure it out. Hero seems to have the most information right now about that as well. Only Isaac has an idea about what's going to happen and Hero to, like, this big climax event. Peter has seen it, but he was a little more focused on the fact that he saw that painting of him flying. He's, <laughs> to be fair, he had other stuff going on, and this one had him in it, and he was like, oh, this answers a big question I have right now. I don't care about this random explosion painting so much as I care about me flying. Woohoo! <laughs> you know? Yeah, Hero is one on a greater quest than a lot of these characters are initially. And a large part of it, like we say earlier, if you leave it, is because of his power. It immediately makes him um, important. And uh, immediately gets him right all in the action because he can pop all over it. He, he immediately ends up in the important places at the important times or slightly after them or slightly before them. Structurally, I, I like that there is a time traveler um, involved in the show and a teleporter. It works really well for season one. He's the bigger picture that we will all eventually be heading toward. Which again, yeah. unlike Nikki, like Hero, who is separate, is leading. He is going to be the force that pulls everyone together in his own he way. He is. And you know... It's so funny because it's like, yeah, Hero has the same sort of base where it's like, we know like three major things about him, but that's okay because he's got this incredible power that is immediately going to keep him involved from start to finish. And if he didn't have that power, you know, it wouldn't be that, I don't think it'd be the case with Hero because he'd be kind of, we wouldn't really have that much to go with if he didn't have this, you know, this is like such a big part of, of his story and his arc and what the show later can use it for matters, you know, like how, how much they want to rely on the fact that they have a time traveler that they have a teleporter yeah that's another thing to to think about as well what powers are ones that have to either be nerfed in the future mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. um have the character die because they're too powerful yeah. that becomes a really big part of the show moving forward after season one is we're gonna get to see these characters hit their limits or show how incredibly powerful they can be and then the show has to decide but do we want to keep it like that? Because the drama kind of goes away if we do. But yeah, so that, that's our cliffhanger. We have five weeks to prevent New York from getting destroyed and hopefully to save some lives along the way even before that. Hero has found his destiny. Hero has, oh yeah. Yeah, we could relate it to whatever the fuck Mandra said. Yeah. Um... <laughs> oh yeah, we get, we get, how did we not, how do we not talk about Mohinderlog is still a thing and it will be a thing for a while in, in season one. 
Yes, he he continues to be our narrator. Start and finish. So the call of destiny is a thing that Mohinder mentions. And that's really where we're at with uh, a lot of these characters so far, even early on. And Hero in particular now has the urgency to be like, oh my god, this is how wrong it's going to get if we, you know, if something isn't done. I think that's about it for this episode. I certainly didn't anticipate talking about Nikki for as long as we did. <laughs> Let me tell you, our notes, they didn't have that. Not <laughs> that, at all. That just, uh, that just happened. Um, but it needed to, so it's okay. Yeah, didn't didn't anticipate talking about Nikki that much at all, but we did. And I feel like it's for the best, because... I feel like it'll really shape expectations with her going forward. Um, yeah, but we've got our timeline. We've got our big events. Characters are learning more and more about themselves. Danger is increasing around them. I'm, I'm excited to see how this is all going to unfold in the next episode. I'm excited to see who gets more storyline, who gets more spotlight, who gets, you know, shifted to the side a little bit. Or we learn more about, you know, strange murderer, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe that'd be cool. Um, <laughs> Is, w- would it be fair to say that um, mm-hmm. the introduction of Siler is probably what another element and what kept you coming back? Oh my god, yes. Because one of the reasons I like that the show is so gory is because they can be. And uh, it works so well for this type of, you know, superhero, superpower type of thing. TV's so weird about that. Like, sex? Ugh, no, not that. But insanely fucked up violence? Go for it. And Heroes really gets to do that. They get to do a lot of fun stuff with that. And a lot of it because of Siler. But other characters too. He is iconic. He is one of the only reasons people still talk about the damn show. If they do. Other than like probably Claire. Save the cheerleaders, save the world. She had, Yeah, she had that great tagline. How could you deny that? We're not there yet as far as the not show. Yet. but um, Yeah, it, it definitely made me intrigued. And I was like, oh wow, this is, this is cool. Because what is a show called Heroes without a villain? Thanks for listening to Eclipse, a Heroes podcast. We are really pleased with, you know, the response we've had so far. We're going to keep doing this thing. Rachel, do you want to tell anybody listening how they can reach out to us if they would like to? Because I have a question that I would like them to answer. We are on Twitter at Eclipse Podcast. And you can email us at EclipsePod at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear feedback we'd also love to hear about your experience with the show why did you start watching heroes and i don't care if you are a person who started back in 2006 or you started with the netflix binge or somewhere in between why did you start watching heroes what about it intrigued you what made you go huh i'm gonna check this out uh let us know give us you know shoot us an email give us a tweet we would absolutely love to hear what other people's experiences were in discovering and falling for this show thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye-bye bye next time on eclipsed mohinder does a little light b and e nathan throws a party not everybody's happy and we get to see the limits of claire's ability Tune in.